Hey guys, welcome back. I am here today with Scott Grotbo. It has been a long time we've been trying to get together. Scott, thanks for joining me today. Absolutely. Thank you for having us on. So Scott here is a, a newly retired Air Force veteran after 28 years. Thank you for your service. And when I say that we've been trying to get together to chat for a while, like it is no joke, but fortunately he and I are both on similar paths where we are really just trying to help the veteran and the veteran family population. But then um, being a per person of service, you can't help but open that up to want to serve other people. And so we chatted a little bit before I pushed record and I got to hear a little bit about um, kind of where things are going, but I'm not going to spoil anything. Let's go ahead and get started. And Scott, if you could just share with us a little bit about your journey, as far as you want to go back, like um, maybe what got you into the military, what led you there, uh, any triumphs or struggles that have gotten you to where you are. And oh, well, I guess, spoiler, here's one thing I didn't mention that he owns and operates his own retreat, which I'm sure you'll expand on that retreat center called Marine View R&R, which is near Bloomington, Illinois, which is central Illinois for anyone who is unaware. All right, Scott, now you take it away. Tell us a little bit about your journey. All right, absolutely. You know, and, and just like you kind of uh, laid it out there. I'll start it back at the beginning, you know, and just kind of work through that military service and then how it led to this new mission um, after retirement with the Veterans Retreat. Uh, so, um, you know, growing up in central Illinois, growing up out in the country here, just southeast of Bloomington, um, I was always in the outdoors. So as a kid, the outdoors just uh, was calling my name all the time. And and eventually uh, watching enough Hollywood movies that really, you know, growing up with the action movies in the eighties and stuff like that really portrayed the military in such a way that I wanted that adventure. And so that's where I, um, you know, kind of took what I saw through the Hollywood lens as well as um, the outdoors around me and, you know, put it together. And I was already kind of uh, pushing myself towards a military career uh, in that sense. And I knew I wanted to, get into the special operations career field at some point. And so I enlisted in 1995 while I was still 17 years old in high school, in my senior year of high school. And uh, right after graduation, pretty much um, headed off to basic training and then all the schools after that. And uh, I went right into uh, Air Force Special Warfare. So there's a mission set in the Air Force called uh, Tactical Air Control Party. And so it mostly consists of being with the Army. So as much as I uh, wore the Air Force rank and service tapes, I was always with the Army. So it's I kind of had a toss up there. I want to join the Army. I knew the Air Force life was a little bit different because my brother was already in. So I found this mission, TAC-T, um, inside of the Special Warfare. And so like anybody, uh, again, wanting to have their cake and eat it too, uh, timing couldn't have been better with, uh, you know, when the uh, operation during freedom, the whole global war on terrorism. When that kicked off, I was already at the uh, final stages of my qualification uh, in order to you know, pretty much be combat mission ready, so CMR. And so when I, when I did that, um, and no sooner than the events of 9-11 unfolded, uh, I knew I was going to be busy. And so here I was stepping down range, um, 
by myself and linking up with uh, Operational Detachment Alpha, so the A-teams, the Special Forces teams from the U.S. Army. And, you know, at the age of 24, uh, just all the surreal moments that uh, played out in Afghanistan and all the different mission sets, just everything. Um, it was, you know, it was a lot to take in uh, just in that first uh, six-month deployment. And, you know, especially that just the combat portions itself and so I knew it was already affecting me. So come back, kind of have a little bit of downtime and then right back in and again. So another follow on tour in 2003 into Afghanistan. And so what I realized was that as I learned about it later was that there was enough trauma that happened um, and the symptoms that result with what PTSD does that uh, I didn't resolve a lot of the things that happened to me. So the unresolved trauma was just building up and building up. And so over the years, still continuing on with an Air Force career, commissioning, all in the same mission, um, you know, I just, I was trying to keep all that zip tied and duct tape and just, I knew I was just keeping it bottled up, just put on the mask, just keep going with your career, make it to the end, make it to, you know, the retirement and then figure out figure out after that if something's still bothering you. Well, I didn't quite make it to retirement. You know, I made it to February of 2020 when suddenly um, that PTSD, that, that demon, that, you know, that pain body had grown enough that it really started to just affect me completely. I couldn't keep the mask on. So everything that just reckless nature, substance abuse stuff, um, eventually to the point where it's, like, hey, friends and family started to notice some things. And then finally, um, I hit my boiling point and I just, I had to, I had to get busy with self-care. So I knew I was going to start down that path with the hopelessness and despair that I felt mm -hmm. that it wasn't going to end up right, you know, become that statistic. And, and um, so that decision was very hard because as much as you, uh, you don't think, that you have what it takes to uh, address a lot of those challenges, especially mental health wise. Um, it's, they'll tell you right away, especially the counselors, you know, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. Mm -hmm. And so um, right before the pandemic kicked off, um, I separated from my family, um, ended up be, uh, becoming divorced, but I had to get back to my, I got back to my home, back to my, the farm I grew up on, which is, I live right next to. And I got back to some of those roots. I got back to the place that I was familiar with, the things that I knew could regulate me. Started going to counseling, started into prescription medication, started in just, you know, if it was dealt with self-care, I just got after it, stopped drinking, just all of that, you know, and, and one counselor really put it best. They said, hey, at what point were you actually going to put your own oxygen mask on and mm -hmm. stop putting everybody else's on? Because again, core values, you know, service before self, we're more willing to sacrifice ourselves to the point where we're done right. as opposed to do any type of selfish act, even if it's in our best interest to take care of ourselves. So that's like kind of one of the messages I always um, try to convey to a lot of veterans is, hey, at some point you got to put that oxygen mask on that you are no better off. Your service is no better off to anybody if you yourself can't even fulfill it. So get, so get the self-care, get to the self-care, get it accomplished you know, start down that uh, path. And so when I started down that path, I came back into the, came back into the office, came back into my 
role, which I was a commander at the time. So I was already a lieutenant colonel. I was already a squadron commander. And my leadership, I thought this is going to go one of two ways. Either I'm going to be shown the door or maybe they'll um, kind of look through the stigma and, and support me. And, and that's what I got. So first of all, they were very surprised uh, that any of this was affecting me. They just said, you, you had such a good poker face. You know, we just didn't suspect that anything was wrong. Uh, and then I, you know, I, uh, I just had to tell them a little bit more about what I was feeling uh, because I didn't realize the emotional triggers that I was having. And so it helped really, once they started to understand it and they themselves um, didn't want to further support a stigma, they said, hey, let's get after this. You know, let's, we're not, let's promote you. Let's get you going. Let's get you in the right direction. Show others that you're doing the right things and mm -hmm. get some people wow. out of hiding. So, because now they weren't concerned with me. They said, well, no, you just, diff you just basically, identified your challenges and what you want to do now we're worried about everybody else that isn't doing that so we kind of I kind of went on my own little campaign of helping others um while still in the uniform come to come to that um that idea that hey you can still be in the service and uh, there's ways and there's a means to take care of a lot of these things especially around ptsd and the one thing my leadership asked me and said, Scott, what do you wish you had all those years ago that could have really helped you? And I said, boy, I wish I had a place I could have gone to because I came back by myself. So when you come back by yourself, one of the first ones to deploy, you're just inundated with all the questions. You don't, you know, and as you know, you come out of that environment where all these surreal events just played out in front of you. And, and you come back to the chaos of our, you know, our culture. <laughs> and, and now you try to figure out how to, how to really just live that life. And, and so I did, I told them, I wish there was someplace I could have gone with the team I was with. Cause I didn't see them after I left Afghanistan right. and just decompress, talk through those situations, try different therapies, uh, the stuff that like we feature now. And so once all those gears were turning and I was like, well, geez, you know, I've got folks coming off a of deployment here pretty soon. They're going to be coming back. I want to, I'd love to be able to know that we can offer a place like that for them. And then I, not just them, but everybody that's out there hurting. We retired, separated, still in service, just starting their career. So that's where I was like, wow, you know, there's enough here in central Illinois when it comes to work, recreation, and even the restorative therapies like towards self-care that we can do this here. We can do it in central Illinois. And so that's when we created Marine VR&R, &R, you know, because we, we kind of advertise ourselves as a fellowship retreat, meaning mm -hmm. if if you have an area of expertise that you know that helps people, licensed counseling, yoga, you know, breath work, we look at a different areas of recreational therapy, you know, we bring all that together. That way veterans can experience all that. They can try new things, you know, and that's the biggest thing about our program is we want veterans to come in and have their own unique retreat to help them figure out, hey, what helps you regulate, get connected, kind of um, get yourself, you know, kind of recalibrated really. Mm -hmm. uh, for that matter and so that's you know everything from the start of that career to continuing the career because people tell you me hey you're retired I said actually I just graduated from the Air Force with a 27 year degree in leadership and uh you know in warfare um and then it's just on to the next mission you know you're just going into the next mission to help others to continue to serve just like you're doing and so 
that's what we aim to do at the veterans retreat. Yeah. <clears throat> Exceptional. So what, what like year was it 2020 or 2021 when you opened it? Well, so we opened in, uh, we established in November, 2020 is when we um, got the official uh, 501c3 uh, uh, paperwork from the IRS. So we are a nonprofit, national nonprofit, because uh, we want to make sure any veteran coming to the retreat is they're doing it at no cost to them. So we figure out through like veteran sponsorship and different fundraising yeah. venues and um, ways to get that accomplished. And so that way they're able to do that. And then we were first set up, I'm actually sitting in what was our first location where we were going to do a retreat. It was near Leroy, Illinois, right next to Marine View State Park. Uh, but then a curveball was thrown our way. So we didn't realize uh, our vet, our neighbors in the area uh, next door and within our area uh, weren't too keen on having veterans with any mental health challenges um, at our location. So yeah, the scenarios they painted, um, they sent me a questionnaire. Um, they all basically petitioned in a way to, you know, that they didn't want to see this come to fruition here. So great idea, just not in our backyard. And so now I had to have concern about the safety and security of the veterans that came to the retreat. So even before we were able to launch our first retreat at the original location, we were already had our challenge of should we even do it here? So we did find a new place that's um, near Saybrook. So just a little bit further east of the Marine View State Park area and sits on 25 acres, just isolated, just beautiful. And that one is, um, you know, we've been running retreats out of there ever since um, really the summer of 2023. And then we did the official ribbon cutting in October of 20, I'm sorry, 22. So in summer of 2022, official ribbon cutting in October of 2022. And then we've been running one retreat every month. And what we try to do is um, everything from uh, men's retreats, women's retreats, couples. Uh, we just did one that was like co-ed where the men would also come in the same day as the women were staying there. And then, um, you know, we've been doing it as a three-day retreat right now, three-day retreats, uh, because it's just that amount of time for people to take off to be able to attend is what's kind of a key factor right now. We'd love to do longer retreats. You know, our ideal would be a five day, four night here at the retreat center. Uh, and then the next step, the venture is going to take us to hopefully moving in in August to a 40 acre, excuse me, horse farm that again, we'll be able to do so much of our programs and services on site there. Uh, right now we go off site for our equine therapy, so a horse farm uh, near Rantoul, east of Rantoul, north of Champaign there. Um, but now with the horse farm itself, being able to bring everything together that we kind of want to feature at one location. Yeah, so we're excited about that. And hopefully that comes to fruition. Yeah, that is incredible. And um, I just got to experience equine therapy uh, in the last year and a half having um, stepped into becoming a team leader with what used to be Lone Survivor Foundation, but is now Operation Red Wing Foundation. I attended as a, okay. a veteran a year ago in November, and then, uh, and they hadn't had equine therapy then, but then when I became a team leader, I, um, my first 
session, my first cycle that I team led was at their Texas location. And that was the first time that I got to be a part of equine therapy, which is pretty sensational, especially I had come with a little bit of, um, not trauma. Like I'm super dramatic when I say trauma, because as a kid at girls camp, I, I had a situation with a horse. And so like, I was so scared of them since then. So the minute that they told me like, this was going to be a part of the plan, I was like, Oh boy, like, I don't know about that, but to learn how they are nonverbal animals that like read and feel your vibe and energy is pretty cool so congratulations that is that's thank you incredible and you know it's it's pretty amazing we didn't get to dive into it right before the call but um when I had mentioned about like that I felt like I would have would have always been a lifer in the military but then after I returned from a deployment going through my own stuff I it changed for me. And I felt like the things that I was holding on to in the military, like that, I couldn't have them back anymore. That like this moment, this time, this place, this year, you know, like having, if I would have had a place to come back and decompress, maybe I wouldn't have left feeling like I had lost my identity. And so I really love the, um, the mission of having a place where people can come and decompress and soar out those different thoughts and, and find a way to, um, cope and, um, not even cope is the word. Well, yeah, cope in all things that we do, but when it comes to those like stigmas, like we were talking about the neighbors, yeah. even having a petition, like, we have that in so many places. And so like being able to respond or not respond to it appropriately rather than reacting. Um, but that's why we're on this mission to enlighten people and, and to help those. Right. Yeah. So that's pretty sensational. You mentioned that like you had learned to identify your emotional triggers. Do you feel like you, that it was counseling and really just the whole picture of self-care and personal growth through that whole journey was what, or what do you feel like it was just counseling that helped you to identify those emotional triggers? Well, it was, it was everything. Uh, So it's a lot of the different therapies, but then counseling was definitely, you know, even in my own testimony that I wrote um, to family and friends, I, I just told them, you know, that, the priority was the counseling because it wasn't just being able to do like cognitive behavior therapy, talk, you know, talk therapy. It was, uh, I went through sessions of what's EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. So I was able to work through uh, scenarios and significant events and traumatic events um, from start to finish. And really, so all I, you're doing is you're taking a memory caught in the fight or flight response mode and kind of reprogramming it into a, a better memory uh, that's, you know, again, just kind of stored away differently when you're not in fight or flight. Cause I didn't right. realize. So it was that emotional trigger gets you back into fight or flight. Well, I never came out of fight or flight. So until I realized what it meant to come out of that and you kind of just see things differently and you kind of feel and experience things differently. And even your thought patterns is just like, wow, 
what, you know, and I realized they were able to, the counselors that I'd worked with that were certified in EMDR were able to do that. And it wasn't just combat. You go back to anything in your childhood that upset you that was a significant event that further, you know, it's like, hey, if there's a triggering moment and you feel like you're your 10 year old self again, what happened? What happened to you? And so you did, and so we did that. We worked through those. So, you know, to say, depending on how you are conditioned, even before you enter the military, you might already be uh, harboring some unresolved trauma that's only going to get worse as you fulfill a military career that's going to expose you to more trauma. Yeah. So clearing up a lot of that, cleaning up a lot of that is what I really did. And yes, the counseling was, I mean, that was what really uh, helped me understand how the brain works, how we capture memories, what all those symptoms really are clues about as they relate to PTSD and then how to get past it all. And, uh, and so I've, I've heard a lot of some folks, the EMDR didn't work for them. For me, it did work. Uh, and then you figure out from there also, okay, what are the therapies? Let's try things, you know, to mm. see if it, you know, kind of it opens up your mind a little bit more. And I really found that like in things like breath work and yoga. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I... Uh... Have not done EMDR, but it sure. I've heard a lot about it from other people. It sure sounds a lot like ART. Have you heard of that? No. It's like accelerated resolution therapy, but it's also oh yeah, it's the reprogramming of situations, but it uses like rapid eye movement. Um, but I wanted to bring attention to that and what you said, and that is just. What I really hope people will uh, listening to this or watching this today, um, if they can relate to that, like that right there, whether you're a veteran or not a non-veteran, like knowing that we can reprogram the way our thoughts and the way things are shaped in our head. And if you do have uh, trauma and, and you haven't piled well not piled but you haven't stored that memory away in the right place then um then yes it's it's not going to uh, be able to heal or deal with it and so learning about the brain research as you have mentioned some of it here has really helped me a lot in understanding Mm -hmm. like that that like we have more control over um those addictions, the, the feelings, like then we think we do. And, you know, before this call, you had mentioned, as we were talking about some of our, um, mutual connections, uh, Jeff Omar, who is the father of a, a, a kid I went to high school with who had reached, he had reached out to me, um, following, uh, reading my book and, when we were having a conversation one time, he said something that stuck with me that I have repeated to many people when we have conversations like this that I know you could relate to. As we were talking about um, things such as addiction or alcohol addiction, um, and we were also talking about scripture and God's word. And he, he had said, 
Jennifer, like you and I both know it's not the drinking that is the problem. It's the thinking. And that just always sat with me. And I was like, absolutely. Like if we're not thinking right or putting the thoughts away in the correct spots or, you know, um, changing them, it's, it's the problem and not your go-tos of whatever idols or, or coping mechanisms you use. So that always really, really sat with me. Oh, and I just remembered something I was going to say, but I must've got off on a tangent. It's pretty sensational that around the time of the pandemic is when I shouldn't say sensational. I should say ironic around the time of the pandemic uh, kicking off and you getting to, um, this place where it was a huge turning point. That is also a huge turning point for me as well. Right there at the beginning of the pandemic, like that's where I had like a traumatic brain injury. And then from there, I found myself in like coping and a really coping bad and, and having not like good thoughts and like, and then find realizing, like that I was the problem and I needed to do something about it. And so about May, 2020 was when I put on my big girl panties and stopped throwing myself a pity party. And <laughs> so I, around the same time is when like we started to get it together. So I find that ironic and, and pretty exceptional. So for people that uh, want to know more about Moraine View R&R um, and what to expect when they come there, because um, I know people have been to different ones and everything offers something different. So like mm-hmm. what kinds of things would they, when you said they you kind of shape it to, because everyone, you know, it's not one size fits all, like everyone's different. Does, does everyone run on the same schedule, do the exact same things? Like, what does it look like? What kinds of healing and growth, uh, post-traumatic things do, do you have in place there? Yeah. So I can, uh, I'll kind of take you through a typical retreat experience. Um, so it starts with knowing that by the way, you're probably one of four people attending. So we like to keep it a small group intimate. Uh, I did a clinic, uh, with the Elk Institute, Dr. Carrie Elk, uh, she hosted a clinic for five of us uh, special operators down in Georgia at a resort, and it was great, you know, because even at five of us, uh, not that she anticipated that we were all going to come together and kind of do group therapy, but that's just how our personalities uh, worked out. And so, by being in that smaller, intimate setting, um, it helped to become vulnerable, drop some of the insecurities and things like that. So I like that. And that's what we wanted to be able to do at our retreats is, hey, let's go, let's keep it small. Because one of the things that we uh, want to be able to bring in at the discretion of the veterans is counselors as well. So we can do group therapy, we can do individual counseling, if that's desired. So when they, so again, signing up means, hey, you're going to be part of a small group. Now, if it's the per, if the person says, "Hey, I'd like to, I'd like it for to be myself and these teammates of mine," that'd be awesome. I'd love to know that the groups are coming out there; they all know each other, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of work through some of the same challenges together. Uh, but if it's for strangers, um, that's fine too. So we're eventually we'll we'll you know kind of orchestrate things so that way nobody ever feels like, "Hey, you either have to participate or." Uh, 
um, you know, go off on your own and do your own thing. Um, but we never, we never want anybody to feel like they're left out of anything. So what we do is we identify up front uh, through a questionnaire, hey, what areas do you like? What, you know, if it came to recreation, is it fishing? Is it horseback riding? Is it kayaking, canoeing? Is what, you know, um, golf. So here's recreation. And then we also highlight restorative therapies, things like mindfulness, meditation, yoga, breath work, music therapy, art therapy, aqua stuff. So we already get that idea from everybody coming in. Okay, this is what they'd like to, this is something they'd like to experience or something they'd like to do again that they used to do. And then we kind of work with the folks that we bring in to cater to those because, you know, I'm not certified in everything by any means, but we know a lot of folks in the area um, that can bring that expertise to us. And so we gauge based on that, that response, that feedback, hey, there's a really good time for everybody to come together and we do breath work together. Um, massage therapy. So of course, massage is its own one-on-one -on -one thing. So we just schedule massages throughout the course of a uh, retreat um, to, to, for everybody to be able to participate. And then of course, weather. We look at the weather and we say, hey, today would be a beautiful day to, to get outside. Let's, um, you know, let's go do whatever it is. Uh, if we're going to take a few of them out fishing or we're just going to do walk the trails there. Um, so it's just a balancing act, but there is never a strict schedule. The only thing that we kind of kept rather strict is just the, you know, coming when they get there and going through orientation together uh, and just kind of that initial um, uh, briefings and things like that, get everybody situated. And then uh, the equine therapy, because it's off-site, they have a specific time uh, at their location that they want veterans, that they work with veterans. So we have to honor that. Uh, and then, uh, you know, in between all that, so because somebody could come in like myself, I know what regulates me. I know I like to be outside cutting wood, splitting wood. Then I want to come in and do my thousand piece jigsaw puzzle. I want to listen to certain music. I love doing yoga. Uh, and then I know what I like to read. So we have plenty of books. So you can find that nook that you like to be in to just go read. And then, so those are like all the programs. And then the education I lay in there. So as much as I provide some of my testimony and I find out when to do that. Sometimes we do it on the first day. Uh, some days I'm like, hey, this is probably a good time to let's just talk about mental health. And so there's like some YouTube series out there that we'll just watch on how to rewire your brain. So, you know, it's, we flex in such a way that it's like, hey, let's do this right now. I think you'll, you'll think you'll enjoy this. And even if it's something that nobody wants to sit, sit in on, I at least give them the cliff notes about what it is that I've come to understand. You know, you look at physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual domains, and everybody has a way about how they, you know, how they live in those domains. And so at least I can get information to them. And that way they can either take that information, take what we've been reading and take it with them when they leave, or they can dive into it a little bit more while they're there. So I hope that kind of answered the question about that experience. I mean, it really is as flexible as our nature is in the military mm -hmm. to accomplish the mission. We, we do the same thing through the aspect of the retreat. Yeah. And I, I think that that's a really good idea that you offer the information, um, even if they don't want to do it while they're there, because yeah. we're, we're all like, 
we will get to that point at different times. And so, you know, something, a tool sitting around your house that you don't touch for six months, you may suddenly cross paths with it six months later and actually pick it up and actually open your ears to what it has to say. So that's, that's a really good idea. Are you on site, like helping lead these each month? Yes. So myself and uh, we have two other staff members, uh, Noelle Reedy, she's our development director. She's also my girlfriend and, you know, has been just an amazing, uh, you know, key figure in a lot of what we're accomplishing through the programs. And between her and I, we have such amazing conversations about our mental health and, and then uh, talking about PTSD and how we can continue to help others. And so we are kind of the key staff on site to uh, guide people through retreats uh, because it, it, you know, it's about getting people comfortable and mm-hmm. not just comfortable with themselves, comfortable around others, comfortable at the location. Because um, I always wanted to make sure, hey, you know, it's like an Airbnb. You go in there, you know, it's not your place, but you want to get, you, you want to treat it, you want to get comfortable. And that's how like we want to be able to make sure Absolutely. folks are doing the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that is exceptional. So um, I, you kind of already have mentioned it, um, but if there's anything you want to add to it, I like to always ask people like what you do for your own self-care as I know, like um, our post-traumatic growth continues on for a lifetime, but as you invest so much in other people, we can't help but it takes from our, our cup, you know? And so yeah in yoga and um reading and things of that sort but how are you intentional with your self-care to make sure you always keep your mask on so that you can help other people yeah that's that's hard because just like how we are trained and how we are pretty much programmed to kind of uh run with a mission is we want to get the mission accomplished even if it sacrifices ourselves and so that's where um even when i bring folks into a retreat Mm. one of the first things i have is i have this big dry erase board and it says at the very top my marathon and i tell people right away i said hey i'm still running my own race you know um i can be a little bit of a coach and a cheerleader for you uh but more importantly i can pace you so i if you want to run with me run with me um i can show you the pace i'm going at um because it's it's true um my own self-care is still just as important as everybody else coming in there and especially because uh you know we don't want to be the hypocrites you know hey do as i say not as i do uh because again it's just come on what are we doing we're we're not portraying what we are trying to accomplish here So I, uh, you know, I find time usually in the mornings is when I do my yoga. And then I just, we always make sure we find that time, uh, Noelle and I, to take care of ourselves. And, you know, the biggest thing is when I go out to the retreat and if anybody's there or not, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm there having my own retreat daily if necessary. So as much as, um, you know, to wear a mask still, I shouldn't have to. I'd rather be more vulnerable and just say, hey, I am so glad you're here. I still need this place as much as you do. So let's keep, let's just keep doing this. Let's do it together. 
and then uh you know and that's how i kind of pushed myself to stay intentional with the things that i still know i need to do i still go to counseling so i still do counseling usually i was doing it every week now i go every other week um and so it, you know it just as as i uh start to get a little bit overwhelmed which we all do in this line of work um it's just uh always having somebody that is willing to uh tell you hey start you know look you got to look in the, the other way and start thinking about your own path and what you're going to do and uh and then just being able to kind of self-critique too yeah because again it's like after every after every time i present something i'm like is that is that the truth is that is that you know is that really what i'm doing when i t tell people hey you need to get better sleep you need to watch your caffeine intake you need to do this this and this as i look down at that you know, four o'clock cup of coffee, <laughs> 4 p.m. Yeah. cup of coffee. And it's like, well, so much for cutting that off by noon. Right. <laughs> right. Self-reflection yeah. is a very great tool that has, that helped me, but also I'm sure helps other people with, you know, personal growth, that self-reflection piece. Well, yes. oh, there was, before I let you go, oh, I'm going to put it in the show notes for, so for those of you that are tuned in and want to click on it, but for people who are riding along and don't have the show notes in front of them how can they get more information um you want to put your website out there or uh whatever twitter snap handle that's what my husband always says twitter snap whatever you yep. want to put out there for as uh, how can people uh, hunt down more information if they do not go to the show notes and click on the links that i provide Actually, yeah, because, uh, you know, one of the things that we have um, is uh, our uh, coverage, our media coverage is quite extensive. So, you know, from our website, marineviewretreat.org, uh, mm -hmm. to our uh, Facebook, so just Marine View R&R &R, uh, via Facebook, as well as we have Instagram. Uh, we do have some um, pamphlets and information that we usually leave at uh, VA locations and other veteran service organizations. So sometimes if there's a, uh, any core cords or stuff like that, uh, we like to leave our business cards or information published. Yeah. And especially we're, we're going to need to get out to the VAs here. Um, we have the VA locally in Bloomington. I know Danville, Peoria, all the way up at Hines north of us. So just anywhere that a veteran would probably find themselves going to, um, as far as government or agencies, uh, hopefully have our information there as well. So they'll see it, but, um, you know, it's easy. Google searches kind of get you access to everything that, um, information wise that you need to know. And then what we'd like to be able to do is, uh, you know, just email us. So marineviewretreat at gmail.com right now is what we're using. Uh, we're going to end up migrating here, uh, in the near future, uh, over to another platform, but, um, contact us and then you know that's how we work through referrals right now as well as just open uh, you know anybody kind of not application wise but inquiries so any inquiries and then we'll uh, we'll see if it's a good fit to come out to a retreat and then if if it's just for the sake of doing a open house like a site visit absolutely mm -hmm. we love doing kind of the field trip the site visits anybody interested uh you know and call it your two-hour retreat you know you're out here you're uh, you're already experiencing the place um short of anything else that we're doing and uh we absolutely love to be able to show uh, our retreat center 
That's awesome. I, my sister-in-law lives in Bloomington. I hope that I can get a hold of you and come check it out. Maybe make a little, little something to be able to show people that, you know, um, I might be yeah. able to share it with and people on a non-for-profit that I'm with as well, but Scott, we finally did it. We were able to finally connect and get together so we can put yes. your mission out there. Congratulations <laughs> on expanding and starting to hope, uh, pray that your horse equine therapy, you know, continues on. And, um, your guys's mission is, uh, inspiring and, um, it's inspiring for me and I hope it is for other people on here. I'm sure it is. So thanks again for coming on. Today. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. Thanks for this platform. This is awesome. You know, these are key to getting the message out to I the agree. network, to helping people realize, Hey, there's no lonely islands out there. There really aren't as much as, uh, you know, we would tend to put ourselves out there. Um, this is, you know, doing what you do through these podcasts and everything like that is just incredible. So thank you so much. Thanks, Scott.